The RRJ's annual print magazine will be coming out with a new issue on April 6th. For the first time, you can subscribe to the magazine online at rrj.ca. The new issue will be filled with features that critique and celebrate Canadian media, from covering Canada's largest newspapers to exploring the challenges of freelance work. We also post weekly stories on media at rrj.ca. The best long-form journalism involves a lot of red ink. And the corrections, cuts, and revisions made by reporters, editors, or in this case, filmmakers, often go unseen by the public. Our job is to dissect their choices. We are The Markup. Migrant workers are largely racialized and they come from the global south, will report on um, those stories if there's a spin to it that uh, will ultimately you know, support broader ideas of Canadian identity um, that valorizes the racial hierarchy of how Canada has been built. Canada is a colonial project. And it, uh, colonialism is still very much in play today in Canada. And I think migrant worker programs draw your attention and expose the colonial realities of Canada because they draw your attention to the construction of citizenship. Min Suk Lee is an award-winning documentary filmmaker. Her latest effort is called Migrant Dreams. The history of Canadian uh, citizenship is constructed along a history of colonial ideas of, um, to use that um, really reprehensible term, old stock Canadian. And that goes way back. And migrant worker programs are um, a feature and have been a feature of Canada since Confederation. So, you know, there have been variations or, you know, uh, iterations of migrant worker programs that have really built the nation's industry. If you look at um, the railroad programs where Chinese railroad workers were here in the 1800s. It follows the lives of agricultural workers, Indonesian women, who were brought to Canada under the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. The documentary was commissioned by TVO and has been featured in film festivals across Canada over the past year. It's not by accident that this documentary was commissioned by TVO, which is public broadcast, an agency of a provincial uh, public uh, state. This is independent media uh, or a version of it that's as independent as, you know, compared to more private-owned corporate media. And there's a lot of... Um, alternative independent media outlets online um, and that are being used through social media uh, that are pushing that momentum of making the story enter mainstream media. And, you know, that kind of momentum, uh, when it does build you know, power and force, it, it, it can be uh, transformative for someone to uh, hear that story. But it's about breaking through that wall. The Temporary Foreign Worker Program has been around for decades. It allows Canadian employers to bring foreign workers here to serve a wide range of industries, including farming. But once these workers arrive, they're often left in limbo. Immigration advocates say the program provides no real path to citizenship. A worker's status is tied to their employer thus making it difficult for them to speak up about their labor rights. 
Just a few weeks ago, a foreign worker named Arthur Lorenzo was deported to the Philippines. That came after allegations that the housing provided by his employer violated government standards. So when Min Suk Lee set out to make migrant dreams, she knew she had to approach the subject with the utmost care. Making a, a narrative is an act of choice. What's safe to reveal? What do people not need to know? And some of that could be personal details about someone's life. Migrant workers first came to her attention in the early 2000s when she met an activist named Chris Ramsaroop from a group called Justice for Migrant Workers. That connection took her to Leamington, Ontario. It's known as the tomato capital of Canada. The H.J. Heinz Company, makers of Heinz Ketchup, closed down its operations in Leamington in 2014. But Leamington's also a town where thousands of migrant workers reside, filling its local greenhouses. In 2001 and 2003, workers in Leamington organized two wildcat strikes to protest exploitative practices. The strike itself really um, posed, for me, a recognition of worker activism and worker resistance. And I, and I remember being surprised because I vaguely had known Canada has a migrant worker program, but didn't really, um, it didn't fit into the larger picture of what I thought of as Canada. So I joined the uh, bus to Leamington, and there was about a dozen of us. Uh, it's a four-hour drive from Toronto to Leamington. And when we got there, it was quite extraordinary to me to be in a small town in which a significant part of the population um, were Mexican migrant workers. And the workers had questions ranging from questions about tax deductions to uh, access to medical care workers were you know, rolling up their sleeves to show rashes on their skin that, in reaction to chemicals that they were using. And I, I think that trip back in 2000 really convinced me that this was a story that Canadians should know about, that migrant workers are here. The experience in Leamington inspired Lee to make her first documentary, El Contrato. However, she says the legal issues posed a challenge. I made my first documentary called El Contrato with the National Film Board, and I focused specifically on the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program, which is one branch of the Temporary Foreign Worker Program, and um, specifically on a, a group of Mexican men who were working in a greenhouse with peppers and tomatoes and such. And El Contrato took about a year and a half to make, and... When we tried to release it, it was quite challenging. The employers who were um, featured in, in the documentary launched a libel suit against me, against the National Film Board and producers, and anyone who would show the documentary. And uh, they were using a slap suit, which is custom tactics by corporations to silence any kind of scrutiny of their activities. And uh, the libel threat itself um, was really just a threat. It never went into um, court action, but it was effective enough to uh, shelf the documentary for a year. The NFB would, would not release the film, and no broadcaster would touch it. And anyone who wanted to screen it were also then issued a libel threat. So the censorship of El Contrato was an experience that really grounded me in understanding that this is a story that uh, the corporate interests 
that have vested interests in the maintenance and the status quo of the program would actively pursue silencing journalism, silencing any media exposure, or um, expression of workers' perspectives of the program from their experience. El Contrato was eventually released. Lee had to go back to the editing room and add several disclaimers to indicate that none of the footage had been stolen and that she had permission to film at various locations. Since 2003, the number of foreign workers in Canada tripled, reaching over 300,000. Lee had kept in touch with sources from El Contrato, so she decided to return to Leamington for a follow-up project, Migrant Dreams. Seeing the expansion of the migrant labor program, the growth of private recruiters, the ways in which new forms of exploitation have become um, part and parcel of the system was of concern to me. But at the same time, I saw that justice for migrant workers had been growing in terms of the organizing work they do in the farms. And oftentimes, the organizers go directly to farms and uh, have meetings with workers or telling them about basic labor rights. In Migrant Dreams, Lee follows a group of Indonesian women in Leamington who fear they may be deported before their contracts expire. Once again, Lee found sources through her connections with immigration advocates like Justice for Migrant Workers. But her previous experience with libel warnings made her more aware of the challenges. I was a lot more cautious in terms of thinking through the safety of workers. Uh, that, that was paramount. Uh, thinking through, you know, if a worker does speak at, is featured in the film, um, you know, will their livelihood be compromised? And uh, along the way, as I was filming, I was quite aware that some of the scenes that I was I was filming might not make it in the, in the final cut because it just might not be safe for a particular worker to have that story or even have them or their story included. So it was um, precarious filming in that sense, um, meaning filming over almost two years knowing that when uh, I was shaping and cutting a film, you know, certain things might not uh, make it. Lee says she had to be clear with her sources about what their participation in the film could mean. I think um, being up front from the get-go was really important. To being transparent about uh, the project that I was you know, undertaking, and the goals, the process itself, what that could look like, and also uh, being realistic about what the film could or could not do. And, um, you know, when you set out on something like this, working to film and tell stories of, with workers about their lives in which uh, there's so much at stake, and there's such a um, power imbalance, I was clear, you know, the film's in no way going to secure your citizenship or, you know, um, get your money back. But I think that the workers who agreed to be in the film, who did participate in the film, um, did so knowing the risks, because we spoke about them, um, knowing the limits of what a project, a documentary like this can do. Consent is negotiated constantly over the process of filming. You know, you have that conversation and you have it again and you have it again as situations arise and uh, situations change and incidents happen. And you evaluate, evaluate together, you know, is this something you still want to do? Lee had another consideration, too. Should she name the companies that had hired these foreign workers in the first place? 
I had to think carefully about whether or not I would name the employer who's um, the boss of the workers in the film, and I decided not to. But also thinking through, um, should I name that employer, then there can be an over-specialized uh, attention on one individual employer and their bad practices. And I, and I wanted to draw a, a bigger picture of an industry in which um, bad practices are common so that you, you wouldn't walk away from the film thinking, oh, there's this one bad apple. I wanted to draw a larger picture of the program to make it quite clear that it's not about bad apples, but this is uh, an apple cart that's rotten to the core. The way in which the system is designed is to um, silence workers and it's to create a second-class tier of workers uh, who are permanently available, who uh, cannot speak out for their rights, and who are um, also tied, locked to one box. And also access to status, access to citizenship is uh, virtually non-existent for most migrant workers. Migrant dreams shed light on how pervasive the obstacles are that migrant workers experience. In her 15 years of covering migrant workers, Lee's witnessed the subject enter mainstream conversation. Because if you even compare this past year, 2016, with the previous 50 years, stories of migrant workers have really, really um, become much more uh, visible. And it's part of a significant you know, work on the ground by migrant workers having the courage to speak out and um, activists and allies in Canadian society who are working and uh, fighting alongside them. Faye Faraday is a human rights lawyer who has written extensively on migrant workers' rights. Having a documentary like Migrant Dreams is really important because it makes that experience human. You get to follow these workers uh, through over an extended period of time and really see uh, the experiences that they face when they come here. Trying to, to tell the story about the extent of exploitation um, is a difficult one um, because it continues to exist. And it's not a new story. It's a story that continues. And uh, sometimes the media gets weary. I think that it's incredibly important for workers to be able to tell their stories themselves, that it's important for them to have agency and not to be talked about, but to talk themselves and to have voice. Lee says the challenge of covering an issue like migrant workers is that it requires consistent follow-up and access to sources who are often isolated in small towns. Group of workers I was filming with were aware that this was wrong. Were pissed off. Wanted they wanted to see justice, and they saw the documentary as a means of achieving some level of that. But at the same time, I think the film, alongside the work of Justice for Migrant Workers and other activists, broke through the isolation of the workers because. Agents and recruiters and bosses are able to control workers to silence them and to keep these stories uh, under wraps through intimidation and through threats of deportation. And so then it becomes an unknown reality and uh, so largely underreported. One of the you know, story challenges 
I thought about when making this film was how important it was to settle with a group of workers to get to know them as human beings and not to see them as this faceless group of numbers, people. You know, there's a lot of anti-migrant worker sentiments that I think are propelled by racist sentiments of, you know, workers who are foreign workers coming into Canada to steal Canadian jobs. Uh, you hear that often. And we do have, you know, there are many Canadians who are fighting for survival, economic survival. Um, you know, in Toronto, now in the GTA, it's common for most people to have two part-time jobs just to get by. The economic hardship that many of us feel, whether we're citizens or not, are commonly felt. You know, using citizenship as a means of determining whether or not I should care that someone's basic human labor rights matter is very alarming and disturbing. And justifying that on ideological grounds is, is something that I think we should be challenging. But that has been actively used against um, migrant workers. Uh, they're not citizens, so why should we care? But what they're facing, the economic conditions that they're working under, are actually not that dissimilar from Canadian citizens. Uh, I know many low-income you know, people who are Canadians who face quite similar situations, but not as exacerbated, not in which their actual mobility or you know, core fundamental rights are uh, circumscribed. To gain more insight into the impact of the film, we spoke to Gabriel Aladoua, a former migrant worker who has attended several screenings of Migrant Dreams. My name is Gabriel Aladoua. I'm from St. Lucia. I work on the, under the Seasonal Agricultural Workers Program, which this year is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Under that program, I was assigned to a farm in Leamington, which is really, really, really south of Ontario. I'm hoping that from the film that people can see. It will also push people to, 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 to discuss with their friends, their families, at the breakfast table, at the lunch table, at the dinner table, that injustice, injustice do exist. If you want to check out Migrant Dreams for yourself, you can watch the documentary at tvo.org. The Markup is a podcast from the Ryerson Review of Journalism, produced bi-weekly by Erica Ngao, Brennan Doherty, Dylan Freeman-Grist, and narrated by myself, Abby Plenner. The music used in this episode is Something Elated by Broke for Free. Thanks for listening. <laughs>